I'm David Bolt. I'm Richie Mackay. And you are listening to the Wrong Bias Bulls podcast. On today's show, we have Chloe Stewart from Australia talking all things bowls. We have Mark Casey, who is the CEO of the Ultimate Bowls Championship. We will also have our Alex Marshall Sports sponsored competition. I will be catching up with Richie's Roundup. And we're also on today's show, we'll be talking a little bit about Junior Bowls, following on from an email that we had, and we will be doing that later on in the show. Right then, so this will be looking like a good show today. We've uh, we've got some great guests on from, from Australia, so we've um, the title for this show, we've gone with the Wizards of Oz. Been having a look, uh, the international teams have been picked this week for England. One thing that jumped out, the men's team, three recalls. Yeah, three recalls, uh, Steve Mitch, uh, Mervyn King and Les Gillard back into the team. Andy Nappers made a, a reserve spot as well. Um, with Stephen Harris and got to send congratulations up to our fellow Northern player Stuart Irwin who has managed to make the team from Cumbria and I'd heard he had a great trial so uh, just rewards for him to make the squad and hopefully he can go one step further next year. It must have been Andy's appearance on the show mate that's got him yeah, well, the squad. absolutely. I mean, <laughs> we said the same thing last week. It's uh, with uh, with Miss Tolchard winning the, uh, the the Player of the Year. It's we're obviously having a massive effect on the on the, <laughs> on the sport at the moment. <laughs> but uh, we were we were just having a look as well, weren't we? At the uh, the under twenty five teams, the the women's and and the men's, and just a little bit of a comparison. The women, the women have got five of the under twenty five girls in the in the senior squad this year. Yeah. Uh, in comparison to the men's, where we've just got the one, which is Connor Sonata, who's just had a who's just had a great tournament up at at West End in the World Under Twenty Five Championships. So well done to Connor. I suppose got, it's 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 difficult to to change the squad completely because they've won the last five series. Absolutely, It'd be hard to break in. Yeah, absolutely, and until that goes wrong, why would you make changes at the end of the day if they're proving themselves year in year out? Then. Um, from this, it's a, I suppose, in a lot of respects, it's a selector's dream because you know they're obviously doing something right. They're going for yeah. six in a row this year. So I know Scotland. I, I didn't know if Scotland had made a few changes as well. Maybe catch up on on that one at a later show. Yeah. And by discuss- the way, whereabouts is the men's international series being held at, David? The men's international series, if it was talking from your side of things, <coughs> is coming from Lee and Ellie. Come on! But from my point of view, it's definitely coming from Clenethley. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's, it's quite a few people have had a good chuckle at your pronunciations last week on the Welsh. I, I, don't, yes, I do struggle with the English I, pronunciations, to be honest. I, I don't think you'll be a Welsh interpreter anytime soon. <laughs> <for that way. laughs> Well, yeah, so um, congratulations to everybody who's been selected on our team. A little bit of a shout-out here for the three Hartlepool girls from up here as well. Devon Cooper, who's our adopted uh, northerner now. Daniel Martinson and Lauren Mosley, who've made yeah, the senior well team. Congratulations to them. And a couple of recalls. We've got Amy Walters has gone back in. And my friend and colleague from the Boards Development Alliance, Annalisa Dunham, is back in the team as well. So congratulations well, to them well, too. Great stuff. I had a pop-over to the West Denton to watch um, a couple of nights of the 120. 25s. I was really impressed mate. Set up was well. The club got a good few through the door. There was a little bit of an atmosphere there and it all went well mate. It's fantastic. I had to, I had to send my apologies. I was I was gutted I couldn't get up there but I've just had a, a, a really really hectic week with work and um, I've played nationals every night this week as well so fortunately I was unable to get there but the response has been extremely positive from the people who I've seen um, and talked to about it and, and I think West Denton's done themselves absolute credit uh, for the way the tournament was held. I think they're the first to admit 
admit there was a yeah. couple of little teething problems, but you only learn from them, um, and they've certainly put themselves in the heart for future tournaments, which is great to see. And a big we- shout out to the West, to the actual West Denton members who were there from half past eight in the morning till ten o'clock at night, cleaning the grain, hoovering the grain at night. Great, great effort from them, and I hope they get rewarded with something else down the line. And great so stuff. Well done to them. Absolutely, tournament wouldn't run without them. No, that's, that's quite great. right, mate. And um, I hope the young, the young girl from Pakistan who, who had a, a real steep learning curve at West Denton takes it on the chin and carries on playing because uh, it was, was good to see the country into the game um, but it, it was a very steep learning curve for the for her. Yeah and uh, as, as we talked about um, you know away from the the show I, I, I look at it she's she's actually an ambassador regardless of what our, what our scores are she's she the fact that there's a representation from Pakistan just yeah broadens the sports horizons it just gets it out there and you know hopefully they'll send somebody next time they'll learn a lot from it and um, I think my opinion having seen France a few times over the last year or two they they are going through a very very professional process and some of the lads were saying Craig have you seen the France girls running around the green before they start their game and, and doing exercises and we generally sitting on the side and having a bacon sandwich and a pint. So. <laughs> well, some of us are, Yeah. I've not mentioned the Denny Cup team or anything like that, mate. Certain, certain individuals are having a full English breakfast. No, mate. I wouldn't know, mate, because I was outside running around the car park. So. <laughs> <laughs> and now we catch up with Australia's Mark Casey. Hiya Mark, how are you doing? Yeah, good mate, self. Not too bad at all, thanks man, not too bad. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, sorry about the sorry about the time difference. Oh, no problem at all. I, I knew it would always be a little bit tricky to uh, to get all of you at the right time, so that's not not a problem, Mark. I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, how's things no, over no there? Yeah, good, yeah, excellent. I, uh, I go to Melbourne first in the morning, so for, for our next event, it starts on Thursday. Yeah, busy time. Fantastic, and that, that leads us straight in actually, Mark. The CEO of the Ultimate Bowls Championship, who uh, a lot of people will have seen on, on Facebook over here with the live streaming, which, um, you know, from uh, from what we're seeing over here, just seems like a phenomenal tournament, and it's something new, something different. What has been basically your involvement from day one in this Ultimate Bowls Championship, Mark? So it came about uh, about 18 months ago. Uh, a good friend of mine from New Zealand, Mike Carroll, come to me with a, an idea of maybe designing up a, a bowls competition, which is completely different than what, it, what what's out there at the moment. So yeah, a lot of thought went into it, and uh, yeah, we decided to get to give it a crack. And yeah, so I, I'm obviously heavily involved with the like the team ownership side of things. So to get the number of teams we've got, we've got 24 teams in the first year. So that was um, obviously a big challenge, and went a long way to making sure that the events success is what it is and just to give us over here just a little bit of an understanding do you want to just give us a, a brief outline about what what is different about the ultimate balls championship and and a bit of an understanding on the point system as well which i think was one of the things that you've looked at to make it a little bit different yeah absolutely like we put a lot of work into making sure that we've got a format that is really easy to watch and uh like excitable for for new people to the sport you know we've, we've made a strong focus in you know developing bowls you know, not only in Australia but worldwide and, and to get new people through through the bowls clubs and, and that was you know an important focus of ours so our our scoring system every single bowl that gets put down has the ability to score points which is obviously as you know quite different than a traditional game so touches score three points and it's a pairs game but the leader has a chance to score points as well so if he's holding shot or she's holding shot on the crossover immediately points go on to their team so it's high scoring 
it's only five ends, so the matches you know are all over within half an hour. Yeah. Um, again, that was a focus of ours, trying to get you know that encourage new people to get interested into our, our great sport. So so far, it's been so good, and yeah, the team owners have been uh, really you know, embraced it, and the players have loved playing in a different format. Um, and obviously, there's big prize money out for grabs as well. So they've uh, they're really looking forward to it, and we're just around the corner from our third event. So it's so, been great. So obviously, we we've seen there's a, there's a draft system for that, Mark. Just give us an idea of how that draft system works. We know. You know, I've heard similar things in, in is it baseball and American football, that type of thing, um, and, and maybe a little bit similar to our transfer system in football over here. Just give us an idea how that works, Mark. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, one of the big sports over here, Australian rules football, have, have a big draft every year. So, And I thought, you know, again, something different from our, from our sport. So from a media's point of view, you know, it gives them something to talk about, something to focus on other than the traditional side of the sport. So team owners have the ability to to buy into the competition uh, there's four different options so in 2020 they can take the option of, of drafting three players or they can go to the extreme and then they can pre-select three players so if they're I guess if they're worried about risking missing out on a particular player or particular players that they they want in their team they can pre-select them but that comes at a, at a higher premium but uh, the, you know the most common out of the, all the team ownership is probably pre-selecting one player so it gives them that you know guaranteed star player yeah um, as such and then then they go to the draft and um, you know, and depends on where they come out in the draft. Like we've got a lottery machine, so they might come out first, they might come out last. So again, that's just another exciting event that um, we live stream, and you know, just to get built that interest. Which um, so far in in 2019, it's been it's been great. It's great stuff, and yeah, it, it does give something extra. It's not just a case of just turning up and playing a balls competition. I think you know, for, for a competition like yours, I think that big build up just gives it that little bit extra as well. So that's that's one thing we've certainly seen, and and what's nice to see over there at the moment is um, our friend of the show and sponsor Alex Marshall um, in my opinion you know one of the greatest if not the greatest bowler that's been on a bowling green and he's and he's over there and, and he seems to have gone down a storm over in Australia absolutely he's um, he, he's one of our big draw cards obviously uh, as you say he's I think he is the greatest player of all time and um, to have Alex you know part of the event is a huge honor for us but um, he generates, you know, massive interest from a media's point of view, but also spectators gives us Australians an opportunity to to watch the man in action. And um, again, like Alex has really enjoyed playing the two events so far. And um, you know, he loves coming out to Australia. He loves the, the BPL competition as well. And yeah, so he's really looking forward to this last one at, at his home. Uh, he's playing for the Moamas Club, so that's uh, that's the host venue for our last event. So I'm sure uh, he'll be looking forward to doing well there. Fantastic, yeah. I've spoken to Alex on a few occasions, and he and he does. He absolutely loves it out there, and and I, and I know he'd love to see a, a similar sort of thing over in this country as well. But it's yeah, it's great to see Alex. So, with regards to the the championship, the Ultimate Bowls Championship, Mark, what's your what's your vision visions for the future of taking that forward? You said you've had twenty four teams in so far, which is which is great. Um, where do you see it going in in future years? Yeah, so I, I think um, you know there's a, a big focus internationally at the moment. So. You know, we've got a lot of teams from Australia, but in particularly in Asia, we've got a lot of interest and a lot of support um, from Mr. Yi from China. So he's, he's a, a massive supporter of the UBC and bowls in general. So we'll work with Bowls Asia to make sure, you know, we help grow the sport there. But 
Um, I think, you know, the UK market, as you touched on, um, it'd be fantastic if, to get something kicked off over there in the next year or so. Particularly, you've got, you know, some of the world's greatest players and, you know, it'd be, it'd be great to see the sport just advance that little bit more than, you know, and I keep using darts as an example um, for our guys over here. You know, that's a, it's a really massive sport in the UK, but, you know, 30 years ago, you, you probably wouldn't have thought that it could get to the heights it has. So that's something that we're striving for and, yeah, with, with the help of you know, our group and uh, team owners, I'm, I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah, and uh, I know we've talked about it um, with regards to the, the UK, and, and I think it would be fantastic, especially for yourselves as well and for the sport in general, um, to have teams from the Northern Hemisphere playing in your competition. And I'm sure it's potentially one of those things, it's a little bit of slow progress in this country where I think I think people need to, to see things happening first and feel as if, you know, we're missing out on something big here. So maybe, you know, um, after after your first couple of years, um, hopefully we can, we can maybe look to try and get something sorted from the UK and try and get some participation. So... Yeah, we, we have talked about that, Mark, and, and you know from my point of view it's something we'd love to do. Um, we're certain looking, certainly looking down a, a few avenues of, of where we can maybe get to, to assist you with that. Um, so, yeah, so fingers crossed for the future. But um, with regards to the ultimate balls, Mark, I wish you the best of luck. I'm looking forward to watching some of the live streaming. So just quickly moving away from that, um, top-class bowler yourself, um, retired from international balls at a, at a very early age, you know, with, with with relation to the sport. Do you want to just give us an understanding as to, as to why you made that decision and, and just an understanding of, obviously, some of the the achievements you've had in the sport have been have been you know commonwealth games etc i think it was really interesting for me as to why you why you actually moved away from the competitive side yeah um and it's a question that you know i get asked quite often you know i'm i'm 37 now but uh at the end of 2016 was my my last event in the world championships and and there's a couple of main reasons but i've got you know a great family and, and two young kids that they're at the age now where you know they're busy on weekends, and um, I was starting to miss out on um, spending you know quality time with the family, and I had to make a decision you know one way or the other, and, and it sort of fell in line with a job that um, came about too. I was I was offered the manager's role for the Commonwealth Games um, lawn bowls competition. Yeah on the Gold Coast 2018 so it sort of all fell into place that way and you know it was a, it was a hard decision but definitely something that you know I don't regret it's I got a lot out of the game as, as a player but now I'm really enjoying you know, taking a back step and um, you know we're moving to Canberra in the new year and um, I'll have a couple of games with Ferrilla which I'm, I'm looking forward to so yeah I, I'm, I, I like I love the sport but uh, I just felt it was the right time for me and you know, and my family. So uh, yeah, the last couple of years has been really enjoyable. Great stuff, and that's good to hear from from a personal point of view as well. Having having done a similar thing. Um, one thing I'm I'm also really interested. You've been part of the sport for a long time. No surprise. You know, we always talk about the comparison between the northern hemisphere and southern hemisphere with regards to the sport. I was just interested to know what changes you've seen over your career over in Australia. Has it always been? sort of you know as prominent as a sport as what it currently is it just seems to be getting bigger and bigger over there um and have you seen any sort of major changes or things that's happened in the past that have that have kicked the sport into a new era yeah um obviously bowls australia have done you know a fantastic job promoting the sport um throughout our country and you know get, getting you know that younger vibe i guess in their elite levels and 
And now they've just recently introduced an over 60s Australian team as well, which you know it really is provides a chance for everybody now to reach the elite level. So you know that's that's something that Bowls Australia have done really well. But also you know I've, I've noticed a big change in the last sort of even 12 to 24 months. You know, a lot of the the big big events are on TV now. If they're not on TV, they're definitely getting live streamed, which is which is fantastic and it's something that we really need to get you know just get that perception of what our bowls what our sport's really about it's not you know it's not just for the older people the older generation it's a sport that anyone can play and that's something that yeah as i say bowls australia have done well and yeah that's something that we're sort of trying to support as well fantastic and and that is that live stream and it's such a you know it's such a great facility to, for us to have via facebook or, or whatever means um i think the the more it's seen the, the better it can only be because it does put the sport in a new light and it does show that it's exactly what you've just said it's not just for a particular age group just for the last thing mark before we finish up i've put you on the spot here to see if you can remember this obviously we played against each other in oh, a lot of years ago now i'm not even going to go into it and um, we were over in the western western australia side of things in an under 25 test match six men in the team can you remember what your yep. team was I hope you do because I forgot to pick the program up to check it. <laughs> yeah, I definitely know. Uh, there was, I think John. Was, I know Anthony Keepy was there. Was one. Yeah. Um, might have been Shane Fordham. I don't know. He's a good mate of mine. I should probably remember that don't, one. But don't think Shane um, was there. No. John Bazier. He might have been before the his bear, time as well. The, the bear was there. Yep. Yeah, excellent. So there's, yeah, that's two out of five. Um, but, well, I'm I'm just um, thinking of. I do remember. It was at Geraldton, I think, wasn't it? It um, was, yeah. Uh, the one I'm the one I'm thinking of is just I'm just going to give him a little bit of a shout out as well, actually, because he's just retired from the sport. Uh, Nathan Rice was part of the team. Nathan Rice. Absolutely, yeah. He's, he's had a fantastic, mine, so. yeah. He's had a fantastic career, and he's just decided to retire from the Australian side. So you know, it's um, he's been part of it a long time. And another one off the top of my head would be was it Strocknetter? Mark Strocknetter from Tasmania, yeah. 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 And, and that's the the beauty of our sport. Like you, you sort of grow into these uh, friendships, I guess, from an early age. And uh, you know, Nathan Rice, as you just say, he's retired, and similar reasons for me. He's got young family now and you know there's not much that he hasn't done in the sport for australia so it, it's sort of great to see you know people making those decisions for family reasons and yeah as you say well, i wish him all the best as well absolutely and it's it's similar to our side as well because um I, I said six players it was actually only five um neil mckee you know he plays a lot of indoor balls but he doesn't play outdoors now paul ging from local to myself from yeah. the northumberland area he was part of the team and He's, you know, he's got family now. He stepped away from the sport and certainly doesn't play as much or at all. Chris Young was another. Uh, Rob Paxton. Um, so there's, you know, including myself, there was the five, and it's it's names that have done a lot in the sport. But similar to yourselves, you know, we've, you know, because we started at such a young age, we, people forget that we've we've been probably hammering balls for about 25, 30 years now. Um, and you know, the, it does come to a point for all we love it. There is more to life than balls and. You know, family and commitments do come first. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Massively appreciate it. I think it's really great that people obviously hear about what's going on over there. And we will be putting links on connected to, you know, on our Facebook page and Twitter, which we've we've done already in the promo for the show. And just letting people know where you can actually watch the live streaming of, of the Ultimate Balls Championship. Um, so, yeah, thanks again, Mark, for the insight. And um, it'll not be long before you're going to bed, so we'll not keep you too much longer. Thanks, I really appreciate it, mate. Not a problem, Mark. It's time for Richie's Roundup. 
The latest open singles circuit events have took place. Westlecott's event saw Dorchester's Martin Puckett beat Oxford's Scott Edwards, while the Durham event saw South Shales' Alan Lawton beat Lincoln's Billy Jackson. Puckett's win moves him up to third in the rankings and Lawton crashes in to number 18. It's worth remembering the top 32 qualify for the grand final at Potters with the average points needed is around the 150 mark. The newly branded International Bowls Council held its under-25 World Championships at West Denton and for the first time an Irish pair are the under-25 mixed pairs champions. Zoe Minnis and Adam McEwen triumphed after a tie-break against Tonga's Paris Baker and Wales' Jordan Driscoll. Despite losing the first set 10-4, the Irish Young Guns forced a tie-breaker winning the second set 9-5 and held on to land the title. The bronze medals went to Australia and Scotland. In the lads' singles final, Scotland's Jason Banks took the honours as he beat England's Conor Sinato in straight sets 8-3-10-6. This was the English lads' only loss in the six games and he had previously beaten Jason in the ground Robert format. In the ladies' final, Tonga's Paris Baker capped off a cracking week for her as she landed Tonga's first ever World Bowls indoor title, beating Australia's Jessica S. Now I say Jessica S because she's got a shared load of letters in her surname and I wouldn't like to try to pronounce it. Jessica took the first set 10-5 before Paris landed the second set 7-4 and securing the title on a tiebreaker. The bronze medals went to Wales and Scotland in the lads and Wales and England in the lasses. Many congratulations to everybody concerned. And that sound signifies we've lost some more national champions. In the men's national singles, defending champion Andrew Walters from Welford lost at home to Rugby's Craig Carger, 21-14. In the mixed pairs, defending champion Sam Tolshard, Exonia, lost to clubmate Cassidy Lenton, 19-18. And we lost a third defending champion in the Yetton Trophy, as York lost a local derby against Harrogate, 78-69. And we have news from the Valleys again, mate. Oh, my word. (laughs) Hold on your hats, folks. Here we go. As Cardiff lost their first game in the Welsh Club Championship, but they still have a 34-point lead at the top. And the week's results were, brace yourself folks, Cannon Valley 5, B.O. Gwent 17, <laughs> Merthyr Tidville 3, Izzy Wynn 19, <laughs> Port Talbot 20, Cardiff 2, and Leonelli, who are actually twinned with, Clenethley 20, Swansea 2. And that's a use from the Valleys. Following on from our Welsh news, we've got news from Scotland. In the Premier League, defending champions Midlonian are top and undefeated on 10 points. Ardrossan are second, just two points behind the leaders, while Falkirk, who have been runners-up three out of the last four years, sit third. At the foot of the table, Fraser Borough are still without points and are fighting to stay in the league with West of Scotland just two points ahead of them. In the Premier B League, Ballantyre are undefeated on 10 points and are closely followed by Alec Marshall's Heath Lothian who are two points behind the leaders. At the bottom, Lanarkshire are windless but are two points behind Paul Foster's Presswick side. Now the national competitions in Scotland are run somewhat different from those in England. It's more like a champion of champions as each club can only enter one entry into each national. In January, the latter stages of the singles, the two ball pairs and junior singles are played 
and at the end of the season, the pairs, triples and fours semi-finals and finals are played. In the men's fours semi-finals, Presswick's Paul Foster will play as Westlothian's Neil Spears, while Midlothian Colin Walker will play Jason Banks from Garach. In the ladies' fours, Trevi Dale's Julie Forrest will play Bombardier's Lorraine Craig. There's an old Falkirk affair in the men's singles. Colin Walker will play Martin McCalley, while in the other semi-final, Taruff's Connor Milne will play Paisley's David Horn. In the ladies, last year's champion Julie Forrest, who has won the Scottish, British and Ladies World Singles, will be pushing for her eighth Scottish singles title. Standing in her way is another Scottish international from Midlothian, Stacey McDougall. There could be a repeat of last year's national final if Lynn Steen of East Fife gets past West Scotland's Rachel Sinclair. And Davy, I think I've now alienated our Scottish listeners after those pronunciations. Where's Hearts, Hibernian, Celtic, Rangers, Dundee and all that? So that's England, Scotland and Wales covered. Come on Northern Ireland, let's have it. And finally, England have announced their under-25 international teams for the men's and women's home international series. The men's series takes place up at Stanley, which will be a first for the club. Congratulations go to six new caps, Joseph van der Peer, John Wilson, Jamie Tyndall, Ryan Garman and Harry Ward. The women's team sees a recall for Alice Fillimore and a new cap for Jasmine Wilson, Olivia Moulton and Robin Hall. Many congratulations to all three and a special well done also to Hartlepool's Devon Cooper. The series takes place at Arbroath and the last time it was held in Arbroath, England won it and will be looking to make it three on the trot. And it's competition time once again. Thanks so much to Alex Marshall Sports, our sponsor, who provides the prizes. Um, we will be advertising the prize um, on our Facebook and Twitter page. The question for this week is related to the actual podcast. So you will have had to have listened to the podcast to, to put the answer in. And it is, what was the number of social members that Chloe Stewart said they had at their Tweed Heads Bowling Club? So you can send that in the usual way. You can either message us direct from the Facebook page, uh, you can send us an email on wrong.bias at hotmail.com, or you can send us a tweet with the answer. Um, but bear in mind, as always, people will see your answer. I don't think it particularly matters because you will work it out one way or another. Good luck with that one, and uh, I hope you enjoyed my little uh, blue. Did you say that the other day there, Richard? My little, blue, make, my little blue Peter effort? I did, mate. I did, mate. The pyrotechnics. No, oh, i tell you what it is. I nearly choked on the shower spray, which was, <laughs> me, which was me dry ice. I was waiting to see the arm dancing. <laughs> she, oh, a couple of jazz hands. <laughs> get out of do a couple of jazz hands she, next time. She was just sitting in the corner shaking her head going, what is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we will be announcing that the following week after the show, um, generally a Wednesday night after the show um, good luck to everybody you are listening to the wrong bias podcast and just off the back of our, our, our discussion about the under 25 world championships at West End I thought this was an ideal opportunity to respond to Peter Tallock's email uh, he sent us after the first podcast we did actually and we did say we would come back to this and Peter's question was it was based around that he feels that the junior age should be dropped to 18 um, because he, he feels that it can be a little bit um, demoralising for some of the younger kids coming into the sport if they were to play against somebody you know 
they were eight, ten year old and yeah. they played against somebody who was maybe 23, 24. My personal thoughts, Richie, I mean, yeah. I, through through my career, I started when I was ten year old and, and I just, I sort of, I can see an argument on both sides and I certainly won't, I, I won't discount what Peter's saying, but I took a lot of learning from actually playing against people with more experience or who were yeah. older than me yeah. and I think it all comes down to to sort of the the young person's mindset as yes, to what he wants yeah. to get out of the sport me yeah. personally I was I've, I've always been competitive so I didn't take defeat or or not playing well or anything like that as a negative I, I sort of I used that as a way of driving my performance for the next game um, yeah. so for example when I was younger there was a young lad on the scene called um Graham Store, who basically I just I think I played him three or four times. Great player, and I just could not beat him for love and money. But I was getting closer and closer all the time, and I can I can probably relate that to playing um, in our area again, Bobby Dykes or Billy Condren. And every time I felt as if I learned every single time from that game. So if I got six the first game, I would then my next game would be ten, or then it would be fifteen, yeah. or or whatever it would be. So. I think there is a mindset issue there. I I think kids benefit a lot from actually playing from others because they've got to look up to them. They've got to look what they've got to achieve to get there. But then on the on the flip side, if it's just a young person who's coming into the sport and just wants to do it for a bit of a social outlet and yeah. with his friends, I can appreciate that there could be a little bit of an issue that they could just say, "Well, what's the point? I'm turning up. I'm you know, I'm getting a thumping. I'm getting a thumping all of the time. People's looking. I'm a bit mm, a bit snigger." Yeah, um, but then well, on the flip side of that, if, if they're in it for the social side of the game, then they probably just take that in the stride. So personally, there has been discussions about it going up to 31. I'm one of those who's sort of against that because where do you where do you cut off being a junior? Yeah. It's like, are we going to go to 40 next because the you know they're a junior compared to somebody who's 60? It's there's got to be a cut off. I've generally it used to be 31. They dropped it to 25. I think it's been really effective over the years, and we have got we've got some um, information here about previous under 25 singles winners and under 31 there's just massive pedigree all the way through it you know just just naming some of the names Tony Alcock under 31 champion Danny Dennison who's still playing Mervyn King Greg Harlow Stuart Airy Mark Royal the list goes on Nicky Brett you can chuck into there um, more recently Mark Dawes Jamie Chesney Sam Tolchard so all of these lads will have gone through the same process they'll have all come into the sport at, the, at a young age but it just shows that if the mindset's right and you want to achieve then it doesn't matter what age it is you know you can push and push and, and, and get the way you want do to you, be do you think you benefit from having other youngsters around absolutely I, 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 yeah. so like I mean I, when I started there wasn't particularly many younger ones I, I've always bored with elderly well I'm not saying elderly fellas they're probably my age now I think 25's a good a good level if the sport was a little bit more prominent and we had more youth in the game then I would certainly consider potentially dropping that to 18 but due to numbers I think 25 is just about hanging on there yeah. so that we've got a uh, a strong enough competition to be played across the country. Because you under 18s can enter the under 25s. Absolutely. So yeah. you can get the experience and use the experience from the under 25s in there. Now we have a chat with Australia's young gun, Chloe Stewart. Hello. Hi, Chloe. How are you? Good. Not too bad, thank you. Not too bad. Thanks so much for coming on to the show today. It's really appreciated. That's all right. What time is it over there now, Chloe? Um, it's eight o'clock at night. 
8 o'clock at night. And I bet it's a damn sight warmer than what it is here at 10 o'clock in the morning because uh, it's absolutely freezing in this room where we're doing this interview. So I think I'd rather be where yeah, you are. It's a bit hot here. We've got the fan on. <laughs> Nightmare. Gutted for you. I'm absolutely gutted for you. There's two brass monkeys just walked in this room and walked straight back out. It was too cold for them. Right then, Chloe. So, thanks for coming on, as we said. So, we just thought it would be a really great opportunity to talk to you, especially you're on a bit of a high at the minute. You've uh, The last couple of weeks, you've you've had some fantastic results, including the, the Premier League win and the you've just won the Australian singles as well. Um, so, we'll come to that later on in the in the conversation. Can you just give us a bit of an idea when you when you actually started playing, Chloe, and basically what, what attracted you to the sport? Yes, yeah, so I was nine years old. Ago now, and I started playing bowls just at my local club, which was only like two blocks from my house. And I started because of my grandma, so she got me um, sort of interested. And I used to go there after school, sort of hang out with her and all the bowlers, and they would feed me chocolate and uh, raspberry lemonade. And I thought it was pretty good at the time, so yeah, I just started chucking a few bowls down and sort of fell in love with it right from the start. And yeah, I guess the rest is history. Did you play any other sports at a young age, Chloe? Yeah, I was sort of a bit of an all-rounder. I've always loved having a crack at any sort of sport, really. But I played a lot of basketball. That was probably my main sport um, when I was starting to play bowls. But then it sort of came the time where, you know, bowls was starting to take up a fair bit of, you know, the schedule. So I really had to decide which one I wanted to focus more on and um, yeah I chose bowls it was just because they offered you chocolate and raspberry lemonade that's what it was really wasn't it oh that was the deal breaker right there <laughs> <laughs> so your career so far obviously you've been playing for 15 years Chloe we've, I've had a look at your resume which is just tremendous the experiences in the Premier League last week um, yeah so that was my first time ever playing in the BPL I had an opportunity to play with the Melbourne team about four or five years ago when they first introduced the you know, a female had to be part of the team. But because I moved to Queensland a couple of months later, the team sort of said, oh, well, you're not really Melbourne-based, so we can't have you in the team. So that was devastating at the time. Their loss. Because um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was something that I really wanted to play in. So, yeah, to play with tweed heads and, yeah, to be given that opportunity to play. And, yeah, I absolutely loved it. It's yeah, been one of the highlights for sure of the last couple of weeks. Fantastic. We, obviously, in the UK, we talk to a lot of people over here who watch the, the coverage on, on Facebook and a lot of people are in awe of just the atmosphere just it probably doesn't even put it in the in a good light watching it on the screen I, I suppose being a part of it would be would be so much better but for you to go in there and win it for the first time fantastic so with regards to the your future in the career where where do you actually see yourself going Chloe I mean you've how many caps is it you've got for Australia now I was looking the other day it's up in towards the 90 mark now is that right um yeah so I think I'm two off 100 so nearly there fantastic <laughs> hopefully they give me another shot soon and it'd be nice to crack that 100 but, well it's, um, it's not like you're yeah, in form at the moment so I can't see why they would to be honest <laughs> yeah, I think no, I, I think that 100 shocking. caps and probably 200 caps won't, won't be far away um, so as far as your ambitions for the future Chloe Commonwealth Games appears to be you know the, the general major tournament that, that people want to achieve and obviously you've got the World Championships as well when will decisions be made with regards to the team that's going to come over and play in Birmingham yeah so decisions about team in Birmingham won't be decided for a little while yet so tomorrow they're actually 
naming a team for our upcoming Trans-Tasman against New Zealand, so that'll be early next year. And then I'd say after that, they'll be picking a team for World Championships. So I guess after, like straight after, you know, World Champs are done, there's a potential UK tour um, on the horizon in July. So I guess after that, you know, we'll really be focusing on... um, you know, trying to get over to you guys as much as possible. And yeah, I guess it won't be for a while yet. Obviously, nothing, you can't take anything for granted in this sport, but you must be you must be feeling generally confident with your position out in Australia with the things that you've done recently. So without going into that too much, obviously you don't want to be uh, putting things into selectors' heads or anything like that. So obviously from our point of view, we just wish you the best of luck and um, hopefully, hopefully you make that team when we see you over here. But just, just relating to, um, I know you've been over in the UK a couple of times to play. How have you found the UK greens? Obviously, they're massively different to yours over there. Um, do you adapt to them quite quickly? Yeah, like the first sort of time um, I went over even to Hong Kong, which I guess is sort of, you know, the slow greens that we sort of say, you know, you've got to be up and at them. Like that took a little while the first time I went there and then went for a second time. And I think, yeah, you do slowly start to adapt to it and get better at adapting, you know, because they are so different to what we used to, like, um, <laughs> there's so many bowlers here that complain about a slow green, and I just say to them, have you ever been to, you know, <laughs> Hong Kong or the UK and played on an actual, like, 10 second, 8 second green, like, they, they can't even fathom how slow they can get, but yeah, I think we do get better, you know, the more time we get on your greens over there, and yeah, I know for me, um, I'm slowly getting better. Yeah, they definitely throw me out a bit sometimes when I see them doing some real strange things. And have you had um, like, ha- have you had much involvement with Andy Thompson so far, who's obviously been brought into to Bowls Australia as a as a tactical coach for the Commonwealth Games? Uh, has he had much involvement so far, and has he been a big help? Yeah, so I had a fair bit to do with Andy um, on the last UK tour, um, which was just July this year, um, and I thought really good, and he did um, provide a lot of knowledge and just like a different perspective on how to play slow greens like I think you know back here we've always sort of been taught to really try and I don't know overplay it but um, I think one thing that Andy did sort of teach us was you know just to get out there and um, just try to feel it but you know if it is doing funny things like not to worry about it too much but yeah he's definitely like given us a lot of insight as to how you guys in the UK play your greens and yeah I guess we're just try and learn it as best we can and the more time we get over on the UK the better great stuff Great stuff. Well, I know Richie was um, was talking the other day and a comment he made was, does she actually ever do anything else apart from play balls? Because all we ever seem to see over here is is you guys <laughs> playing competition and playing balls over there. So just give us an idea of sort of a, the commitments that you have on a, a, let's say, a monthly basis with regards to balls. How much do you actually play? What is available competition-wise for you to get out there and, and get onto the greens on a regular basis? Yeah, so today was the first day of work for me this month. <laughs> So that sort of gives you insight as to what the last couple of weeks have been like. Um, but normally, if I'm just training for an upcoming competition, you know, I try to get on the green three times a week, roughly, and then there might be competition on the Saturday or the Sunday. I'm very lucky back that, you know, my job allows me um, to be pretty flexible with bowls and work. But, yeah, I guess 
like over here, it is difficult, you know, for people that, you know, try to, you know, work around bowls and if they are trying to get to that top level because there's just so much on and the calendar and there's so many different commitments. It's definitely, it definitely can be a little bit of a struggle and, you know, in the past I've been at jobs where it has been a little bit more difficult, but yeah, you just sort of work through it, I guess. Absolutely, yeah, and it's it's the same over here. I've, I've, I've just stepped away myself for that reason. It's, it's really hard to... I think my, over my career, I've always sacrificed jobs for balls, trying to work around the balls rather than a career. Um, so I've had to have a really a good look at that and, and change that perspective. Coming on to Tweedheads Bowling Club, um, that was another thing. Uh, they obviously give you a lot of support. Um, what's, your, what's your position at Tweedheads, Chloe? So I'm the assistant bowls manager to Wayne Turley in the bowls office. We've got a little office up there um, right next to the indoor green at Tweed. And, yeah, pretty much anything bowls-related we're sort of involved in. So whether that's you know, on the website, all our social media stuff, we're always you know, trying to keep everyone as up-to-date with all results and everything. Yeah, any anything to do with the club itself, any club championships, all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, we just really try to help out the bowls and I guess that's our job. And it can only be a good thing that you obviously do what you do and get the support because the more that you're in the limelight and the more that you're winning things can only be good um, promotion for the club as well and hopefully it will attract people to come to the club. Yeah, like even... You know, the last sort of year, you know, massive growth in members. Yeah, and I guess, you know, the success that we've had um, with everyone at the club. Yeah, it's definitely it's sort of brought a new light to Tweedheads, I guess, because it always sort of had this feel of sort of being an older club. You know, they always had success, but nothing like, you know, what's happened you know, this year, let alone um, any other year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just think that, yeah, people are starting to sort of go, oh, Tweedhead, like, yes. it's not just... Helensdale or Broadbeach, like there's another player, I guess. So, Fantastic. Yeah, it, it is good to see, and you know, I'm absolutely grateful to be, you know, at Tweed, and yeah, hopefully be going along for a pretty good ride. So just before we move on to your seven up questions. Just give us a little bit of an idea, um, which will probably open a lot of people's eyes over here. Just give us an idea of your membership and and the sort of the setup of your club, what the facilities are. Yeah, so at our club, we currently have about 500 members, I think, and that's just bowling members. So on top of that, we have about 20,000 just social members that come to the club, wine, dine, do whatever. So that, like, that's a massive membership base, um, even for a club. In Australia, um, so yeah, we've got four outdoor grass greens and one indoor complex. And yeah, there's a like a cafe, two restaurants, and there's a travel agents, etc. So yeah, it's definitely a big club in Australia, and probably you know, one of the biggest really. But yeah, it's definitely growing in leaps and bounds, and yeah, the club's been you know just unbelievable with its support for bowls even. So yeah, we can't thank enough that tweet. Well, I'm, I'm just in the process of actually picking Richie's jaw up off the floor when you've just said that, because <laughs> that in direct comparison to the 30 members that we have at our clubs is a little bit staggering. And we talk about it quite regular and to actually obviously hear yourself saying it from Australia, getting it from the horse's mouth. It's like 20,000 social members as part of a bowling club is just is just crazy. It's just not even thinkable over here. So just to hear those figures is quite staggering. Um, and it just it just shows where what the status of obviously the sport is in Australia. 
Um, so thanks for giving those details, Chloe. So just to finish off, Chloe, uh, we'll do a regular a regular um, part of the show where we've got seven up questions. So I'm just going to ask you seven questions off the cuff. Don't think about them too much. Just give us the answers. Here we go. Favourite green? Tweeds. <laughs> <laughs> Can't understand why you've said that. <laughs> what balls they do you use? Um, I use Hensolite XGs. Neighbours or home and away? Best match you've ever played in? The BPL finals the other week. It was actually pretty damn good. Great stuff. Toughest opponent, either a team or an individual? As an individual, I'm going to say Joe, Joe Edwards, because I still haven't beaten her after like six cracks. So Joe Edwards from New Zealand. One day, hopefully, I'll get there. It's a good target to have. She's got a great record in the game. Roast dinner or good old fashioned Aussie barbecue? Oh, you can't beat a barbie. <laughs> and what your future ambition in the sport? Just give us one one target. Um, to play in the green and gold again. Playing for Australia. Great stuff, great stuff, Chloe. Right, that's your seven up questions. And all we can say now, Chloe, is thanks very much for coming on to the show. It's been really appreciated. A great insight into what you do and uh, what it's like over there in Australia. And I hope to catch up with you soon, Chloe, at some point. I've got no doubt probably next time you're in the UK, uh, we'll be popping down and, and seeing what's going on. So thanks again for your time, Chloe. No worries. Can I do a quick shout-out? Of course you can. Uh, I'd just like to shout-out to my best little buddy over there in the UK, Donna Knight. Um, I hope she's listening. I think she said she was. Shout out to Donna. That's your US Open Pairs winning partner as well, wasn't it? Yes, and my dancing partner too. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff, Chloe. <laughs> Not a problem at all. And thanks again for coming on. All right. You take care. Me. Thanks, you too. Bye now. Bye. And that's another one done, Mr. Mackay. So that's our, that's our Wizards of Oz um, podcast finish. Number um, four. Number four, yeah. So massive thanks to Chloe Stewart and um, Mark Casey for coming yeah, on to the show. Yeah, I thought yeah. I thought their interviews were excellent, and then we'll certainly open a few eyes. Some of the some of the um, information that they provided us. We will be putting links to the Ultimate Balls Championship. I can't stress enough for people to watch that. It's a great concept. It's a great watch. I know the timing's not always great, but the recordings are always there. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much it. Our next one recording. Our next one. Our next recording is going to be um, just before Christmas. So that will be aired on Boxing Day. Hopefully it'll be a little bit of a Christmas spectacular. So you're feeling tired after your Christmas dinner. Lie down, get yourself some more Christmas pudding and stick the podcast on on Boxing Day. So yeah, so we're looking forward to that. Hopefully I will announce the guests prior to that show. But yeah, all in all, another another good one. Which is uh, Merry Christmas, I think. Absolutely, everybody. Hope you have a great Happy New Year and Christmas. And uh, enjoy the show on Boxing Day and please continue to listen. Much appreciated. Thanks for your support. Thanks, everyone. Bye now. Thank you for listening and hope you've enjoyed the show. This has been a dodgy production.